When Leaders Matter, How Civility, Integrity, and the Leaders We Need Are Possible by Dr. Joel W. Harder. Forward, written by Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt. In When Leaders Matter, Chaplain Joel Harder presents a three-step approach to engage leaders and restore the civility we need in our politics while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. When that happens, leaders will be able to work and inspire our communities, states, and nation to address the real problems we are facing and navigate a way forward that will benefit all of us. When Leaders Matter, how civility, integrity, and the leaders we need are possible. Available now on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and BarnesandNoble.com. Welcome back to The Leaders We Need. I'm Joel Harder, and I'm joined for today's episode again by my friend Cole Fakes, founder and CEO of So We Speak and host of the So We Speak podcast. In today's episode, we are continuing to look at the approach to engaging leaders that's presented in the new book, When Leaders Matter. Specifically, we are going to discuss the topic of leadership and controversy. The political process and promoting civility in the midst of it is never more difficult than during times of heated disagreement and controversy. People on opposing sides of issues publicly advocating their positions are passionate about what they believe. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. They wouldn't be doing it. When Leaders Matter presents a three-step approach to engaging leaders that breaks through cycles of incivility and promotes the integrity that we need in our leaders. Such transformation in civil discourse can seem ambitious to achieve, maybe, if not impossible, particularly in the midst of a heated controversy. Well, I understand that feeling, and I acknowledge it in the book's introduction, and here's an excerpt from the introduction. This book is not the ramblings of a naive optimist. I present this approach to engaging leaders with sincere hope, believing that we can break through the incivility gripping American political discourse. But I realize hope-filled optimism about the current political moment can seem idealistic or impractical. I am aware how the political process delivers both progress and frustration. The same leaders who inspire us also let us down, and the promises of public policy stand next to unintended consequences. Shaping a positive leadership culture in politics and breaking through the incivility in our political discourse, well, that requires us to ask more of our leaders without ignoring political realities. Politics can be a nasty business, and we need leaders who maintain integrity and model servant leadership as they navigate the often muddied waters of the political process. Close quote. Well, I'm excited for this opportunity to discuss leadership and controversy with Cole today, and I hope that you will discover, as I have, that applying this method of engaging leaders, it isn't easy, certainly in the midst of controversy, but it works. Thanks for joining us. This is The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder a podcast going beyond the politics and policies to focus on the people who lead in our communities, states, and nation. Conversations that restore the civility we need in our politics while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a resource from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Joel, thanks for having me back. Looking forward to this conversation, and th- this is one that, uh, as you as you opened with, 
this is where you really get to the heat of what happens in politics and, and the world that we live in mm-hmm. is um, we're talking a lot about conflict. Mm-hmm. And when I started to hear about what you're doing, your work at the Capitol, there was a significant controversy at the Oklahoma State Capitol. It was 2018 teacher walkout and protest at the state capitol. And I think everybody remembers this happening. And uh, the coverage, it lasted two full weeks, thousands of teachers and educators protesting on the grounds of the state capitol. You were right in the middle of it, applying your approach to engaging leaders. And I would love to hear from your perspective, what was going on and, and what were you experiencing there? For those who might not remember uh, or know about the 2018 teacher walkout, can you summarize what led up to it and then, and then tell us what you were doing during those weeks? Yes. And of course, as we're recording this, we are in the, the midst of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, extraordinary things going on, trying to contain the spread. So what happened six weeks ago can feel like two years ago. So there may be some some people that... that 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 really does seem like a, an eternity ago when when that was going on, but it wasn't too long ago, and it was significant. Uh, it garnered national attention, media for two weeks. Uh, schools all across the state of Oklahoma were closed as teachers and educators um, had walked out in in protest over the state of uh, funding, both for for compensation for what educators in Oklahoma. Uh, were receiving, as well as uh, funding for education uh, priorities, classroom um, uh, classroom costs. All, all, there, there were all these different ideas and, and thoughts and, and converging, conflating issues in education in Oklahoma. It's almost hard to describe the scene. There were thousands of teachers and educators and friends of of, uh, of, of teachers that had joined them, thousands. It, it's, uh, at times they were marching around, around the Capitol, uh, making that full loop. If you could get in to the building, um, and people who actually needed to get into the building or wanted to get in the building had to get there early in the morning uh, because only so many people could be in the building. Uh, and once you got in the building, Again, it felt like as many, the sea of people outside, there were as many inside. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was so many people and there was so much kind of uh, energy. You could, you could feel the energy. Um, I would walk around that building and see people uh, kind of huddled together, talking through what were they doing, what were they what, what their plan was, who were they going to go talk to, which legislator were they going to try to talk to, and then they would find out where their office was, get to their office, then there's a line of three other groups ahead of them that were doing the same thing, and, and this was just everywhere. Legislators uh, were, were uh, just back to back to back uh, conversations with people who had come to the Capitol to discuss this one issue. So here we are now. We're in the midst of the building and all of this noise, all of this, all of this energy, uh, and there seems to be what looks and feels like just two sides uh, of this issue. And and I had just this incredible opportunity to, to kind of kind of float back and forth, and I could talk to somebody who was there protesting, ask them. You know who they were, what they were doing, and and you know what school were they were they at, and they'd tell me about you know the area that they taught, and and we just would talk a little bit about uh, you know what what their hopes were for 
what, what would come out at the other side of that of that um, that protest. Then I would float and talk to a legislative aide who's just completely uh, almost on edge because you know they're they're trying to navigate doing their job, doing their work, and and so much of what legislative assistants do in the Capitol is they they're the front line for communicating with constituents, and so they're one of their number one jobs is to communicate with people who come to the Capitol to, to meet with their legislator. So they're trying to follow all of their normal processes of signing people in, which was is, it's just impossible at this point because of the flood. And, and you could just see that, that kind of sense of, of overwhelming tension in them, but still trying to do their job. And then you talk to legislators and, and they're meeting in caucus meetings and, and floating around trying to talk through what are we going to, what's the strategy? How are we working through this? How are we going to navigate a solution? To, to the current moment. So that's that's the environment. That's what's going on. It was a just, uh, I mean, controversy is a great word for it mm-hmm. because it just seemed like um, there were people everywhere yeah. when you watch the coverage, first of all. And like you're saying, there was not a place where you could go to find a quiet moment or, or step aside. It was um, something that I think is kind of unprecedented. But that's what makes it, I think, in the book, such a great example to talk about, mm-hmm. hey, when the stakes are the highest, that's when you have to stick to the method that you're proposing. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to take some time in this conversation and, and just have you explain, in a controversy like that, when the stakes are that high, how do you go about engaging leaders? How, how do you go about implementing what you're going to read about in the book mm-hmm. in a situation um that is just as charged as that one is. So this is the first step of the process is recognizing leaders matter and recognizing that, that they are people serving in those roles. And then the second step is to ask more for them. Of course, you're in a protest now. You're there. The, the ask is, is plain in front of everybody, what we want done. And so we often jump to that, what we would ask of our leaders, but I, I, it's very important in this process before you let yourself go to asking things of your leaders. The next step of the process is to ask more for them, to to desire uh, that they're blessed, to desire good things for them, desire that they they lead well, desire that, and 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 that they would be able to do their job as a leader with skill and excellence and integrity. So when I'm thinking about how I'm going to apply the first step uh, in this moment. Uh, you know, when I, w- writing that part of the book, Believing Leaders Matter, it was, it was actually a lot of fun because uh, essentially I'm defending the premise that leaders do matter. In a way, though, you already believe that or you wouldn't be reading a book called When Leaders Matter. Right. And so, uh, you know, yes, I'm going to present some, some uh, uh, you know, theories. I'm going to talk about the function of leadership, the practice of leadership. I, I do go into all of that in the book, but in a way I, I, I kind of recognize that I don't have to argue too hard. They, they probably are already there. They're already there with me. So one of the things I really want to point out in this step is not just that they matter and talk about leadership, but talk about leaders as people. And so, uh, you know, as I'm, I'm thinking about applying that in the controversy and the conflict of this protest... So in my interactions with those who were protesting, I would try to build off of their passion. You know, just, just as if you're reading the book, When Leaders Matter, you probably already believe they matter. 
it's probably just as true if you're there in a protest. Uh, if if you don't actually believe that the people in those positions of, of leadership have the power and authority to do something, then you wouldn't be there protesting. So I would try to build off their passion, the whole reason why they were at the Capitol, why why they had taken the the risk of walking out on their job to go up there and make their voice heard. And I would make the connection to the people that they were trying to talk to. You know, I would I would go and talk to uh, uh, you know somebody who's there and find out where they teach, find out what what city they're from, hear about you know what they really care about and passionate about in their school and their classroom, find out who their legislator is, help them you know know who to go talk to because it's always it's always good to go and talk to your legislator. There's there's just an, an important connection that's there, and. And then I, I wouldn't name drop, but I would casually say something encouraging to encourage them. You know, I, oh, yeah, well, I was talking to that legislator the other day, and I think you'll really enjoy having that opportunity to talk to them because I wanted to encourage them to make the most of every conversation and, and, and really to recognize that they had an opportunity to truly engage these leaders in a way that they, that they really want. You know, at the end of the book, I, I say that you know, the people who are willing to engage leaders in this way, uh, believing they matter, desiring more for them, asking more for them, asking more of them, they're, they're probably becoming the kind of leaders that we're going to need in the future. And, and I think incidentally, not incidentally, maybe, I, I know multiple people who were really inspired and motivated by the teacher walkout, who were later elected and now serve in those positions. And I don't think it's just because they were, they were passionate about the issue, but it's because they, they saw uh, what, what was within themselves mm-hmm. to be in one of those positions of leadership, to serve. And, and, and I think that that's an important thing to see happening, is that as you engage leaders, making the most of those conversations, um, you can discover that your voice doesn't matter, and you can even discover your own leadership. Now, what, what was it like then on the flip side of that? Because you're, because you're the chaplain, you're able yeah. to go in the Capitol. You're obviously spending time with yeah. the people who are there trying to understand their concerns. When you're in, in the Capitol and you're talking to the legislators at this point, what, what are you saying to them? What are those conversations like? I, I really did everything I could to go and talk to each legislator and check in with them as a person to mm-hmm. see how they were doing on a personal level. Um, you know, I mean, stress was really high. For, for some of those legislators, um, many of them, they'd been serving for, uh, I mean, that might have been their last term. That had been, been right. there, you know, 11 or 12 years. And, and they, they acknowledged this, this was a unique uh, environment that they had not experienced, that level of energy and passion and, and controversy. So I really want to just check in with them on a personal level ask them about their family, see how things are going. Um, and that was very important, I think, because that that connection, you know, that opportunity to know that when I'm walking in the door to talk to them, they're not just about to have to begin defending their stance immediately, but they can just take a moment to breathe and just, you know, know that there's somebody there just checking in with them, mm-hmm. see how they're doing. They still have things going on back home in their own families and lives. And that's true at all times during the legislative session. It's still true 
during a moment of controversy and real conflict, it, it's it's common knowledge now, so I don't mind sharing. Um, but in the middle of the teacher walkout, the speaker of the house, his his wife was undergoing some significant cancer treatment. Uh, there's a lot of prayer that was going on uh, for for their family and for and for him that had nothing to do specifically with his leadership, and he was in a very significant place of leadership in the midst mm-hmm. of that. So life doesn't stop for them. So I, it was really important that I checked in with them as people. One of the keys to the whole process, and specifically that second step of the process to ask more for leaders, is the idea of setting political agenda aside, mm-hmm. which I can imagine would be very difficult normally and extremely difficult in a situation like the teacher walkout. How does that actually work in such a charged environment? When I say set political agenda aside, I'm not saying that we suddenly don't have disagreement or we don't defend the things we agree. What what I think is so important about setting political agenda aside is it gives you a moment to actually really encourage the people having those discussions. Their voice is really important. Mm -hmm. Their voice matters. And, And their debate is really important. And they need to have it. And I, 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 for me, I, I like to tell people, I pray for you as you have these conversations because yeah. they're important conversations to have. Um, so I'm, I acknowledge that you know this isn't just pretend like none of the conflict, none of the none of the disagreement is there. But setting political agenda aside, uh, it lets us actually kind of take some of the heat off, maybe some mm-hmm. of the pressure off of what's happening in the moment to really try to encourage the people on both sides to have their discussion well. Mm-hmm. It let me just transition back and forth. You know, I could I could float around that building and I could I could bump back and forth between a conversation with with a teacher or or, or somebody who was there protesting or step over here and talk to a legislator and I could just kind of seamlessly go back and forth and have very meaningful conversations with both sides. Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Let me let me hear what what is it what does it look like for for this to actually play out in your classroom? Or what does this look like to really play out in the budget and talking to yeah. I mean you actually you can actually listen and hear and ask the questions um, and let the people you're talking to really articulate and even maybe think through them you know for themselves a little bit you know, what they're really saying and believing. So uh, for me, setting political agenda aside, is it, it just let me build bridges with people on both sides. Mm-hmm. When you do that, now suddenly you're not just another voice furthering the conflict. Now you're a voice that's promoting peace yeah. into conflict. One of my favorite sayings, uh, Father Jacques Philippe, and he talks about peace and he says it's like, it's like the, uh, the surface of a lake. Uh, that's in your heart, and if the surface of the lake is is undulating, if it's if it's agitated, and the sun is shining over it, you can't really see the sun in the lake. But if the, the lake is still and calm, then the sun is reflected in the lake, and and the calmer it is, the more brightly the sun is reflected. And and when you set the agenda aside, and you can now be a voice of not conflict but peace. You actually have the power to promote peace into the conflict that's mm-hmm. around you. I, I sometimes I would walk around that building, and I would 
I would step into a legislator's office and they've got kind of an outer office where the legislative assistant sits and they would just see me come in and I would shut the door and I would look at the, the legislative assistant and their eyes would just be like saucers because mm-hmm. they don't even know what's about to happen. Um, and I, I look at them and I would just say the word peace. And sometimes they just break down because they've just been on edge you know, day after day for so long, wondering when it's going to end. So that's really how that second step of the process, I could see it play out. That's what it looks like to set the agenda aside. It doesn't mean you abandon the things you believe for, don't still advocate for what you believe for, but it lets you now not be a person that perpetuates conflict, but one that promotes peace. Mm-hmm. Man, that's powerful, especially in that circumstance. So, so powerful to be able to be in those moments of peace. When you face difficult times, and this is a difficult time. For some of them, this was the most extraordinary circumstance in their tenure as a legislator. Mm-hmm. The things that you struggle with and, and the things that you are most uh, you, you find most challenging, it teaches you a couple important lessons. And I think a lot of them were learning them that day. You, you, learn, you learn your limits. Ultimately, my, my desire, my prayer for our leaders to lead with integrity means that they do champion their convictions, never abandon them. But I pray for them to be able to speak to one another in such a way that they can actually hear one another and work together to create the solutions. Thank you for listening to The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a podcast from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Oklahoma Capital Culture is a nonprofit organization shaping a culture of civility, integrity, and servant leadership among policymakers through nonpolitical and nonpartisan engagement. Learn more about Oklahoma Capital Culture and how you can help shape the leadership culture at www.capitalculture.com. Original music heard on The Leaders We Need, provided by Scott Allen Matthews at mypodcastmusic.com.